Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Hey, Alan, I'm doing great, buddy. Our family has been making plans for this uh, upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. We're excited for a little break from work. How about you? Yeah, the same same goes here. Um, you know, uh, getting ready for this episode, a couple things happened uh, that I think we should let the viewers know about, Mark. Mm. Um, you got your parking space back, so oh, congratulations. Thank goodness, yes. Yeah. Well, it was nice, you know, with the bad weather kind of coming and the colder weather that, you know, at least you don't have that long walk anymore. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not built for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you still get a longer drive to the studio than I do, but yes. but there's that. So at least this will hopefully help make up for that a little bit. Well, yeah, I don't have to do the walk of shame every morning. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and as well on my drive into the studio today, I heard um, Tom Petty's American Girl playing on the radio. Oh. And it, I realized how much it kind of just not only did it uh, encapsulate Harvest Festival, mm -hmm. but really season three in general. And uh you know, with this episode after today, we have one episode left of season three. That's it. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe it? Then we'll be in season four. I know. We've rocketed through this thing. Whew. So we do have a couple full length seasons in four and five and six, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So uh, there's still some meat left in them. They're uh, potatoes. I don't know. I don't do metaphors. Those are my favorite sort of potatoes. Those are good potatoes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, today's episode is season three, episode 15, The Bubble. The Bubble. Yeah, the bubble. Um, we've got a runtime of 2112. It's a standard episode, no producers cut or anything like that. Uh, this episode first aired on May 19th of 2011, along with the Little Sebastian episode, which will right. be our last episode of season three. That's right. Yeah, they doubled up for this week on the on the 19th. And then the previous week on May 12th, we had the fight and road trip. So, uh, you know, a couple double ups here at the end of this short season three to get it all crammed in. I think we talked about that a little last week. Yeah. Well, Mark, today's episode was directed by Matt Son, and uh, he, you know, he's been a cinematographer and uh, director of photography on uh, on Parks and Rec for about six episodes, I believe. Uh, this is the only one he actually directed, though. Mm. Uh, he also was cinematographer on, like, I think, 81 or something like that episodes of The Office. So, oh, wow. Uh, he obviously knows this team of uh, executive producers and, and stuff pretty well. Yeah. Uh, this episode was written by a combination. I think this may be a first for us where we've had two writers credited on the same episode, Greg Levine and Brian Rowe, uh, who turns out both are basically super script supervisors and continuity experts on parks. Uh, Greg a little more than Brian with, I think, 110 episodes under his belt, and then, but Brian with 16 episodes. So uh, definitely well-versed in Parks and Rec as well. Wow, I guess so. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, Mark, should we kick off this week with uh, some of them, their synopses? Yes, we should. All right. Well, I split this one into two stories, an A story and a B story. And I entitled the A story, The Taming of the Griggs Note. <laughs> Leslie and Ben are dating, but keeping it a secret because of Chris's no dating policy. They are enjoying what Leslie calls the bubble, the beginning of a relationship when everything's simple and fun. The bubble is threatened, however, when Ben has a meeting with Marlene Griggs Nope, Leslie's mother, a notoriously tough politician in the Pawnee school system, who wants Ben to approve school bus purchases despite a tight budget. Right before Ben's meeting, Leslie tells him Marlene is her mother, making him nervous, ineffectual, and causing him to capitulate to Marlene's demands. Uh-oh. Leslie finds out her mom, who doesn't know they're dating, by the way, thinks Ben is a pushover. So Leslie trains Ben for his next meeting with her mother to prove he is confident, capable and self-assured. 
What will happen? Will Ben win the second round with Marlene? Will Marlene find out Ben is dating her daughter? How many school buses does Ben agree to? Why does Ben summon a quote from Calvin and Hobbes? <laughs> Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Well, I think Leslie says, you know, basically her mom's kind of a tough cookie. And we yeah. know that she has this nickname, which we now know <laughs> is the Iron beep. Bubble Buster. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you beep for that. No, bubble it, Buster. I was worried. Okay. Yeah, uh, of Pawnee. That, that's what it is. This episode fell in the gap for me. Yep. <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue with that at all. No, that's good. The Iron Bubble Buster of Paul Neal. There it is. All right. Mark, what'd you have for your uh, B storyline? For the B story, I entitled it, Change is Not Always Good. Mm. Chris has several new ideas he is putting into action, including, but not limited to, A, promoting Jerry to PR director, B, making April everyone's assistant, C, having Tom digitize the city archives on <clears throat> the fourth floor, Giving D, giving Andy a temporary paid position as Tom's assistant and E, putting Ron at a circular desk in the middle of the bullpen to make it more accessible. Yikes. Yikes. Tom is absolutely miserable with yeah. his assignment and he starts to question everything. Ron believes everything's going to go back to normal eventually, as it has with past city managers and their wacky ideas. But Donna's concerned that Chris, the microchip Traeger, will just not quit. How will this turn out? Will anyone be able to convince Chris to put things back to normal? How does this affect Tom's future job interests? Can Donna learn to use her wacky space age keyboard? Is the fourth floor as terrifying as we remember it? Stick around. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. Well, Mark, you know, um, <clears throat> we usually move into AKAs. I will say I only did one for myself this week, and that's because I, I found myself also naming the A and the B storyline, Ah, which uh, if I could real quick, my, my A story was uh, Bensley versus Marlene and the rest of the world, especially Chris. Oh, yeah. It just seemed a little wordy. I liked yours better. Um, I like yours better. That's fine. <laughs> and then the, the B storyline, I just called it Chris's failed science experiment. Oh, see, now that really is better. That, I kind of like that Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. much better. Yeah. Well, Mark, uh, we should also mention maybe before we do our AKAs, we had a number of guest stars this week. We had Pamela Reed back as Marlene Griggs. Nope. We love her. We had Helen Slayton Hughes as the famous Ethel Beavers. Ethel Beavers, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Jim Jansen is a, a brief stint as Stuart, the grumpy uh, you know, office sharer. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Sarah Van Horn is Gretel. I wanted to mention her specifically because I, I love her part in this. It's small, but it just made me laugh really, <laughs> really hard. Yeah. There was also an uncredited uh, appearance. I want to mention that in the scene. Mm, I won't I won't spill the beans yeah, as it were. let's do that. All right. Or the coffee. Or, or the coffee. Yeah. Well, uh, Mark, what you got for them there, AKAs? All right. For them there, AKAs from my B storyline. Uh, where Chris makes a science experiment there. <laughs> Ron, actually, now that I look at this, I guess both of them are from that storyline. So I kind of screwed up, but you know what? I'm just going to roll with it. That's okay. Um, you go with what inspires you, Mark. <laughs> so at one point, Ron just simply says to Chris, you have come up with a plan so spectacularly horrible <laughs> that it might ruin the entire department. And it's just it's such a Rontastic thing it to really say. Is. It just made me chuckle. And my my winner, AKA, which is a little shorter than that, so yeah, maybe a yeah. little bit better. Andy is excited about his new, uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, 
assignment, yeah. at, uh, even though it is on the fourth floor. Yeah. And he and Tom are taking this totally different. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're they're in their, uh, you know, uh, weird, uh, dingy, uh, 15-year technology old uh, uh, office up there at the fourth floor. And Andy immediately is like, oh, my God, he's enamored with everything because he's, he's got a phone and, and he's <laughs> and he's like pretending he's on Wall Street and stuff. And finally, he just holds it away from his face and goes, mm, this phone kind of smells like a butt. <laughs> so that, that's my AKA. This phone kind of smells like a butt. Uh, that whole scene made me laugh. What you got? Uh, Mark, I, I chose one this week. Um, it, it was basically where Leslie is preparing Ben to go back for a second, mm. uh, you know, kind of salvo with Marlene. Yeah. First one doesn't go so well. Spoiler. No, no, no. Ben says, um, and then Leslie turns to him and goes, um, is the sound in dumb. Yup. Yeah. Because apparently Marlene's just going to wipe the floor with him if he says stuff like, um. Yeah. She's going to clean his clock. That's yes. what the kids say. That's what, is it what they say? No. Okay. It's good. not. All right. Well, Mark, should we get into the breakdown of this episode? Yes, sir. Let's get into the breakdown. But well, we got our cold open. So at, at City Hall, we see Ann Perkins walking down the hall towards her new office. And we hear Cool and the Gang's celebration playing from, you know, somewhere. And when Ann gets to her office, she sees the doors open. The music is coming from in there. And there are tons and tons and tons and tons of balloons and streamers everywhere. Like so thick. You, you can't see one foot in front of you. Yeah. Like, like it's it's yeah. ridiculous fog. It's of, as full of as you could have made the room with balloons. That's right. Yeah. So for, out from out from behind a clump of balloons, which are everywhere, uh, Leslie all of a sudden appears and, and welcomes Anne to her to her office and her first day and, and gives her a giant stuffed bear and tells her about the itinerary of activity she has planned. <laughs> and apparently also buried within the sea of balloons that we know of yeah. are April, yeah. Andy, yeah. Tom, yeah. and Anne's office mate, Stuart, who is not real happy about yeah. all this at no. all. And then Leslie. And then Leslie. we know of. And so that, that makes that five. That makes five. And in this scene, they say that there are actually seven people in there. So I'm presuming the other two are Donna and Jerry? Maybe. Or maybe that's where they put Where's Waldo? <laughs> Well, hiding him among that many blooms would be a, a good good way to hide Waldo. <laughs> yes, it yeah, would. It really would. Maybe it is Donna and Jerry. That's a good guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, it dawned on me that the math didn't add up. So Maybe they got lost. Curious. Well, I, I could get lost. <laughs> I know. Especially Tom could. He's barely He's half tiny. the size of one of those balloons. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, from there, we start our day with a classic walk and talk through City Hall. And, you know, it's your standard conversation about taboo relationships, fake Filipino parents and History Channel documentaries. You know, the, the usual. <laughs> yeah. So we see Leslie catching up to Ben in the hall and, and she starts walking with him and they're making some small talk. And, uh, you know, amongst other things, they suggest, hey, you know what, later, you know what we should do. We should make out later. Yeah, a lot of making out. You know, the usual. Yeah. And um, a very happy Leslie tells us in a talking head how the best part of a relationship is the beginning, the, the bubble, as we alluded to. You yeah. know, no problems, no fights, just white wine cuddling, crazy amounts of History Channel documentaries <laughs> uh, or documentaries, depending on who you are. Um, ben also happens to mention to Leslie that he has a meeting with Marlene Griggs Nope and asks is if she's related. And strangely, Leslie gets nervous <laughs> and denies being related and then scampers off. Yeah, no, it's just a coincidence. We get it all the time and we laugh about it, uh, but I've never met her. She's Filipino. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she did not handle that very well. No, no, no. No. 
Well, Mark, this episode is, of course, as you've mentioned, about bubbles of different types. And, yep. you know, in the case of Ben and Leslie, you know, this is the perfect bubble of this new unblemished relationship. Right. Leslie is now uh, talking about this bubble and this new unblemished relationship with her bestie, Anne. And I guess they slightly de-ballooned her office now because you can actually see through it a little bit. I, I think there's maybe one balloon remaining and then like a stuffed animal. I yeah, mean, that really, sounds There's right. not much left there. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and Leslie's talking to Anne about Ben and about his upcoming meeting with her mother. And Leslie explains, as you alluded to, Alan, she just wants to enjoy the bubble right now. And she didn't want to think about this stuff. She didn't want to think about Chris's rules and her mother and blah, blah, blah. And Anne seems to sympathize, but is concerned that perhaps Leslie hasn't thought this through because it's going to come out. Seems likely she hasn't uh, because and and this is the first of several times in the episode where it seems like Leslie's best plan to escape and avoid this, uh, you know, these conflicts is to leave the country. Yeah. Or or in this case, send her mom out of the country to London. Yeah. I, I guess her passport must be up to date. <laughs> Well, you know, and then Stuart, I think at this point, comes back into the office, uh, the shared office. And Leslie's pretty short with him and says, Stuart, could you give us 45 minutes? And he's like, it's my office, too. Stuart. Stuart. (laughs) She's stern with him. She's very stern. And she goes, that guy was rude. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mark, every new boss likes to put their special stamp on a new position. And Chris has definitely got a special stamp planned for the parks office. Oh, holy hell. Yeah. Special he, being the operative word. He, he sure does. So, yeah, and we, we kind of alluded to a few of these details in the in the synopsis yeah. for the B story. But, yeah, Chris is with uh, Ron and Andy and Tom and April and Jerry in a conference room. And he's telling them about some changes that he wants to make, including but not limited to. We kind of covered these. A, Jerry being made the PR director and thus leading the daily briefing sessions. B, April not just being Ron's assistant, but a multitasking executive aide assisting the entire office. Yikes. C, Tom being the project leader for digitizing the entire city archives up on the dreaded fourth floor. No. D, yeah. D, Andy being given a temporary gig as an administrative assistant to help Tom with his project which is kind of a step up for him. And then E, although not shown in this scene, um, I believe Donna is going to be given a new uh, space age ergonomic, weird, bendy, uh, hinge filled uh, keyboard, you know, to increase productivity. Yeah, which is awesome. And and Ron is during all this. I love his his facial expressions. Oh, if sure. you catches Ron is just tickled and excited during all of this. Uh, and it hasn't hit him yet. Notice. No, but he not only he does not find this humorous because he believes in it or anything. He doesn't think it's going to help, but because he expects these are changes are going to fail. And just like all the other changes by all the, all the other city managers. And as a result, bring city hall to a grinding halt, which we know he loves. Yep. Yeah. He's just going to grab a few donuts, sit back and enjoy the show. Yep. And I love that during this scene, he's actually enjoying a powdered donut. Yeah. And he's got some white powder on his mustache. His mustache yeah. And, yeah. yeah it's, and, and so all of his facial reactions include, a powdery mustache and i think he's actually not just smiling i think he's egging chris on like that's a great idea yeah <laughs> go chris go oh i i loved you know and and chris tried to set it up for each of them why they were getting this new terrific assignment i yeah. loved andy's it said you know starting now you're nobody's shoeshine boy <laughs> starting now you're an administrative assistant for three weeks then back to shoes <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, Leslie thinks better of it and decides to come clean with Ben before he walks into the lion's den. You know, Mark, timing is everything. And it, it just so happens that Ben probably should have considered an omen that's about to happen and just have rescheduled the whole thing. Hindsight being 2020, that's probably what should have happened. But what what did happen is uh, we, we see Ben walking to his meeting. So he, he's en route, as we say, uh, to his meeting with Marlene Griggs. Nope. And we see Leslie catch up to him. And for better or for worse, she decides to tell him that they're related and it's her mom and she can be cruel and difficult and she's a bully and go in there. You're going to be great. <laughs> and her, her gesture when she is going to be great. And she knocks Ben's coffee onto his shirt. So at, at this point, Ben is really nervous and a bit flummoxed. He's rattled. And he's covered in coffee. And he's even worse. He's a he's a coffee covered, rattled, flummoxed, nervous person. And he 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 enters Marlene's office and he's still wiping at his shirt. It's very embarrassing. And so, like you said, to say Ben is off balance is putting it mildly. mildly. And when Marlene gets to the heart of the matter, uh, requesting four new school buses, Ben initially just blurts out, OK, <laughs> before immediately admitting, well, uh, actually, actually, it may not be possible. So it, the meeting is not going well. No, because, I mean, not only does she make fun of the coffee on his shirt as he enters. Yeah. But once he accidentally agrees because he's so flummoxed. Oh. And then he then he retracts. She's like, really? Because five seconds ago you said you could do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not going to let that go. No. no, no. So not a good start with uh, Leslie's mom. No. Or, or, or Marlene and, and her role as not Leslie's mom. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. Well, Mark, have you ever been, had one of those days where you've got a little extra spring in your step, an extra box of donuts, the birds are singing and everything is going great, you know, until it isn't. Yeah, yeah I've, well, I've had those yeah. days. I think Ron is too. Oh, my. So, yeah, Ron is having one of those days and he just jauntily, you can almost hear like yeah. he's almost just whistling. He's got a yeah. bounce in his step and donuts on his arm. Is Everything's good. And he walks in from the hallway into the bullpen and asks if anyone wants the second box of donuts. Pause, stop in his steps, <laughs> stare at the center of the room. And there's this this contraption there, this weird circular contraption in the center of the room. And then, you know, after politely asking the peep is this, <laughs> Chris explains. See, now this is landing on Ron. Yes. Chris explains that it's his new desk. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> So it's its purpose is to make Ron more accessible and to allow him to swivel uh, 360 degrees to observe and engage with any part of the room. And to add insult to injury, Chris is turning Ron's old office, you know, the one with walls into <laughs> a new public waiting room. To say Ron is not happy is a bit of an understatement. It's a bit of an understatement. Well, and and Chris, you know, not only explains this desk is based on the Swedish concept, Jamstalt. Yeah, Jamstaldot. Jamstaldot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, easy for you to say. Mm. But apparently that means equality. So I like it. That's what they say. Yeah. But that's what I yell when I go to Subway. <laughs> you know, and, and then Chris goes on to demonstrate how it works with little swivels and conversations. And it's a pretty funny little bit. It is. It, it's a nice little platform for, for Rob Lowe. It who, is. It's very, very funny. Yeah. 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 And he does some physical stuff here that you don't always get to see him do. But Chris mentions, oh, and we got rid of that giant pillar in front of your door. <laughs> Rob goes, I love that pillar. It made it really annoying to stand in my doorway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I also like as Chris was, he got in the center of this circular desk, 
prison. Oh, yeah. And and he's he's demonstrating to Ron. But when he says, like, call out something and I think Jerry says something and April says something. And instead of just turning to them, he verbally says swivel. (laughs) And then he turns to April swivel. And then he only has to turn 90 degrees to Ron. So he goes small swivel. (laughs) (laughs) That just made me giggle. Well, Mark, we've been here once before, and it's easy to recognize by its squeaky elevator doors. Oh, no. Metal detectors. Oh, no. Yellow-hued fluorescent lights. Oh, no. And the smell of files and desperation. Of course, I'm talking about the fourth floor. Yikes. Oh, Hello, darkness, my old friend. So, yeah, we're back. We're back to our old friend, the fourth floor. And we see Tom and Andy exit the creakety old elevator into washed out yellow light through a cold metal detector. And as you might expect, Tom looks disgruntled and annoyed with all of this. While Andy, in his very Andy like way, just continues to be filled with like a ridiculous sense of wonder at, at everything, you know, it almost reminds me of how he was at, at grain and simple when he looked, he tagged along with Chris and went, what's that? Oh yeah. He's like a kid in a candy store. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A really gross fourth floor candy store. And, and, and our favorite court stenographer, Ethel Beavers. Oh my gosh. I uh, love Ethel. Shows me too. Shows Tom and Andy to their dingy office with technology from like 15 or 20 years ago. And again, Tom is aghast at all this, but Andy is delighted. Yeah. Well, this is where your AKA, you know, as he's picking up the phone and playing Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Wall Street. Buy more stocks now. Oh, this phone kind of smells like a butt. Uh, well, and then Ethel is the best line of all. She's like, you know, try not to move things around because technically speaking, this is still a crime scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, you know, back at Ben's desk, somebody made somebody else a new mixtape. And mm. this time they left off that extra Sarah McLaughlin song about, you know, living in the real world. You know, this, I think, would be a good clip for us to play. Should we do that? Yeah, let's do that. All right, let's do that. Cool. Should we talk about how you claimed your mom was a Filipino woman you'd never met? Should we? (sighs) I was just trying to delay the inevitable. If this turns into something real, then we are going to have to deal with Chris's rule and parents and annoying flossing habits and a lot of unfun stuff. But not yet. I just want to enjoy the bubble for a little while. I'm sorry. Everything's good? No, it's not. I was completely flustered. I came off like an idiot. And at one point, for no reason, I just took off my shoes and held them in my hand. I'm going to go ask her how it went, and I bet she loved you. I loved him. He's a total pushover. Very odd guy, though. He's like a goofy, spineless jellyfish. (laughs) Why do you ask, sweetheart? No reason. Well, Mark, I think that scene really encapsulates. I I love her description of the bubble. I mean, it really drives it home Mm. why this is an important, special time. And, you know, every good relationship where things are just really nice. Uh, But, you know, the outside world pretty quickly and the Marlenes and the Chris's Mm -hmm. all start to wheedle their way in. And, uh, you know, then you got to deal with the real stuff. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, Leslie was so certain, I think, when she first told Ben, I'm just going to ask her. I'm sure she loved you. And we see her initially in her mom's office with a big smile. And then as she starts to describe why she loves him, you can see the smile kind of go. Well, we'll see how that turns out. Yep. Well, given how poorly things have gone so far with Marlene, Leslie and Ben are now going to pick up the bubble and move it to Belize or something like that. 
the uh, Leslie's back in Ben's office now, and she's trying to. I think that's where they are, and she's trying to assure him that everything is okay. And Ben is concerned that uh, he's going to get a reputation as a pushover now, punctu- mm-hmm. and punctuated by a woman entering his office Uh-oh. with an official request for not four school buses, but ten. ten. Holy cow. Up from the previous four she asked for. Ben asks Leslie, he goes, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to tell me everything you know about your mom. Then I'm going to have another meeting with her. We're going to have it out. And Leslie seems a little nervous about this. Yeah, this is where she invents the idea. Maybe instead we go to Belize and go scuba diving. You know, we could look at the whale sharks. You're certified, right? Let's get you certified. Let's get you certified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that turns out as well here shortly. Well, and meanwhile, back at the parks office, we get a brief glimpse of just how brilliant Chris's initial plan was. <laughs> yeah, we the first shot is of the, uh, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince. This, <laughs> this is the room formerly known as Ron's office. There it is. Um, where several people are waiting, one of whom is playing darts. And then it, the camera goes to Ron seated at his new circular desk prison, <laughs> clearly grumpy and unhappy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we see April uh, wheel over to Jerry on a kind of weird uh, scooter slash Segway style apparatus with a computer glued to it on the top yeah. of the handle. I don't know. It's yeah. like what you'd see in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Giving him a report he asked for. But, you know, when he goes, she goes over there. She doesn't just go. Here it goes. She goes. Bam. And crashes right into his desk. And the report says, you know, you're going to fail. <laughs> just so she could try to rub it in. I love PBJ. She took the time to type it, though. I thought that was polite. Yeah, yeah. She's a very professional. But yeah, absolutely. He is going to fail. And then, then <laughs> we have one of the greatest yes. scenes in the entire series. So, I think we've seen, this is Gretel we're talking about. And I think we've seen Gretel before in some of these town hall meetings. She's yes. always got some really crazy complaints. Yes, yes, yeah. you are exactly right. So we see Gretel walk into the bullpen towards Ron's circular desk. And this is all very visual. So I'm going to do my best here. Yeah. Gretel walks in into the bullpen, walks towards Ron's circular desk and starts talking to him about an issue she's having. (laughs) Ron says nothing and starts to slowly swivel away. So he's no longer facing her. Gretel starts to elaborate about her issue and starts to slowly walk around the desk to keep (laughs) pace with his, with his face. Cause she's trying to still talk to him. Yeah. Ron still says nothing and swivels slightly yeah. faster. He learned from Chris how to swivel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Except he's not saying swivel. No. He's no. nothing. He's like <laughs> clammed up completely. So the woman picks up the pace, continuing to talk about yeah. her issue. And Ron says nothing and swivels even faster. So this eventually results in Gretel in a slow jog around the circular <laughs> desk, trying to come to talk with Ron. Are you listening? You know, while he just says nothing and keeps swiveling. I absolutely love, love, love this scene. It's it's like this is to me, this is classic timeless physical comedy. It yes. kind of gives me flashbacks to things like the conveyor belt scene in I Love Lucy. Lucy. Yeah. It's it's that good. That's a good callback. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Gretel's shtick is that I think she always, you know, acknowledges the thing she wasn't supposed to do, then immediately reports that she did it. Yes. Yeah. There's a sign in Ramsey Park that says, do not drink the sprinkler water. Yeah. So I made sun tea with it. And now I have an infection. (laughs) (laughs) Sir. File that under how weird. How weird. (laughs) 
Well, over at the city manager's conference room, Mark, you know, Operation Escape to Belize um, has now turned into, I think, Operation Prepare Ben for Bloody Battle. And, you know, and as they say, all is fair in love and war. <laughs> I like it. So, yeah, she's are, are they in just one of their conference rooms at this point? So here's the layout. This is very boring, but I think it's worth noting because mm. I want you to get this right from now on. OK, I, I painstakingly spend time on these things, which I don't know why I do. OK, this basically the city manager's office. Right. Mm -hmm. You walk in the door mm -hmm. and to the left is a conference table to the, the extreme left is Ben's desk. Oh, so he kind of sits at a desk in a room and then in a private office to the right is Chris's office. I see. So that's the layout here. And used to be, of course, you know, uh, Phil's office back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So they're at the conference table that is in the open space that also happens to contain Ben's yeah, desk. You got it. I'll just call that conference room C. So they're in conference room C. <laughs> See, you. I'm pulling a page from your book. I diagrammed it. So they're in conference room C. And and Leslie, as you said, is helping Ben uh, prepare for his meeting where she and she's going to play the role of her mom. You yeah. know, and actually, you know, what? I can't do justice to this. Let's just have Constantine play this clip. Let's do that. OK, you need to be strong, powerful, decisive. This is not a meeting. It's a battle. Normal meeting rules do not apply. I'll be my mom and I'm going to be very harsh with you. And it's only because I like you a lot. Okay. Go! <laughs> Hello. Wrong. What? <laughs> no preambles, no introductions. Just walk in and start talking. I'd like to discuss the new school bus. I'd like to discuss your rhyming, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and you should be sitting by now. Uh, what? Just walk in and take a seat. Um. Um is the sound in dumb. <laughs> That's what she says to people. And now you've crossed your legs like a woman. Got it. Okay, <laughs> should we just start over? No. No, we need to put a pin in this. Here is a list of my mother's top 100 favorite conversation topics, starting with Persian rugs, ending with Daniel Craig. You have 10 minutes to memorize it. Deliverance, the movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so funny. I, I, I don't know if Leslie's helping. Maybe. But I think she's also in addition to helping, making him really nervous. Ben is still flustered. But, yeah. But I actually, you know, I think this might actually turn out to be helpful. But uh, he's going through the ringer here at this point. I don't know if I've seen Ben this flustered since Media Blitz. Yeah, no, that that was a, definitely another scene where he was. And, and it, it tends to be in extreme situations and usually when he's caught off guard. Right, yeah. right. I won't, I, maybe Marlene will ask him about Icetown. Oh, <laughs> that would have been the death knell. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mark, things on the fourth floor had started out kind of scary and boring, uh, but now they're about to get straight up exciting and weird. And, you know, Tom learns that his charms have limits, um, perhaps based on generational gaps. <laughs> Everything you just said is spot on. So what we have here, other than a failure to communicate, is <laughs> April is visiting Andy and Tom up on the <clears throat> fourth floor. She's venting to them, and particularly to Andy, I think, yeah. about her new duties that she's been given by Chris when... A man pops his head in the door and asks if this is Mort Jansen's office. And when Andy says no, the man enters the office, walks over to the coffee maker, picks up the coffee pot, sighs, looks over at them, pours the coffee onto the floor. And then while still looking directly at them, smashes it into the wall and <laughs> says, tell Mort, I said, your move. And then leaves <laughs> april oh yeah is very impressed uh -huh. and wants to work immediately on the fourth floor with them tom uh -huh. 
is less impressed with this and is desperate to get out of there quickly. So he figures, you know what I'll do? I'll use the old Haverford charm there on the ladies to help speed up the task. Maybe they'll help me with it. So we see him enter Ethel Beaver's office and try to kind of, you know, uh, hey, chatter up. But she is not <laughs> impressed either because, A, she didn't buy his shtick or possibly, B, she doesn't understand his shtick or what the, hell both. what the hell he's trying to say. And either way. Tom gets just frustrated and leaves. Uh, I think his end ending remark before taking off is maybe I'll just find an open window and plummet to my death. To which Ethel Beaver says, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, he tried, but it did not succeed. Mark, I, I particularly love the coffee pot smash in this scene. You know, oh, yeah. it, it just, you know, tell Mort, I said, your move. <laughs> uh, the actor is uncredited, actually. His name's Dana Gould. Yep. And he's a, a comedian, uh, you know, actor and voice actor. And uh, he's uncredited in this scene. But it just, it was, it, this is the funniest scene in this show. Because it's so unexpected to me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And he, wasn't he also a writer for Parks and Rec? Maybe for like season two? Well, actually, Mark, I, I think you're you're kind of right. He was a producer in in, in one of the earlier seasons and a consulting oh. producer at that. Kind of like remember we met Norm Hiscock, yeah, you know, great writer, yeah, yeah, some really funny episodes. He was on principally as what they call a consulting producer, which means you're kind of in there helping develop the joke. So in a way, you're actually right. I'm sure he contributed in the writer's room, but it wasn't officially as a quote writer. Ah, uh, nailed it. Yeah. No, no so. you, actually, that that's very interesting though. I'm sure at one point as producer. Producer, he probably wrote something. Oh, he did. So. And he wrote for Simpsons. And so he's definitely got the chops for it. And he's just, I mean, the, the deadpan delivery, this this crazy staring <laughs> eyes, the whole thing was terrific. Oh, yeah. He did a great job. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. Well, Mark, you know, timing is everything. And I said it before. Um, it's extremely ironic that I also just purchased my first ergonomic keyboard because I've been having some carpal tunnel syndrome. And I thought, oh, this is going to be nice. But um, my productivity has dropped mm. and I keep typing names of Norwegian cities. It's really weird. <laughs> And I think Donna joins you here. Yeah. We, we see in the bullpen, Donna walks up to Ron's. I, I love referring to it as the circular desk prison. So Donna walks up to Ron's circular desk prison to vent to him about her awkward, weird, bendy space Spaceship, age yeah. keyboard. Ron tells her, look, it, wait it out. It, this is You know this is going to fail, like all the other city manager ideas. And Donna says, I don't know. Like, this is Chris, the six million dollar man, Traeger. He may never quit. Mm -hmm. So you know what, Ron? Maybe you <laughs> need to swivel your ass down to his office and talk to him. <laughs> and you know, the one thing I love about this is when she first goes up to his desk yeah. and she brings the spaceship keyboard yeah. thing and she's mad and, she and, and she's yeah. going to tell him she's mad. And Ron sees mad Donna coming with spaceship keyboard. Oh, yeah. And he starts to swivel away. And she says, you did no, not no, just swivel away yeah. from me. Oh, that's great. Love it. Well, she says, I'm down to one word a minute, and the word is perfluffoscop, <laughs> because I can't fly spaceships. Uh, 
I typed that word once. It's because I fell asleep on my keyboard. Oh, yeah. Y'all. I've, I've typed many of those. Yep. Well, over in Marlene's office, we're about to see the beginning salvo of Operation Confident Ben, I've now named it. Yeah. Which apparently starts with a double calf mocha espresso delivered by a double agent. Well, that's that's the way that's as you do when you're a double agent. That's what you do. You, you bring a double mocha something or other uh-huh. and uh, to put her in a good mood for absolutely no reason. And then all of a sudden, uh, <clears throat> good mood achieved, good mood achieved. Send in the other agent. So all of a sudden, uh, Ben marches uh, into Marlene's office confidently uh, like he knows what's happening here and and uh, and uh, starts talking and sits down and directly addresses Marlene and and. Marlene tries to blow him off because, look, I'm having coffee with my daughter. But he's like, nope, nope, I'm not having it. We can talk about it now. Or I can put a permanent freeze on the education budget. Budget, Your move, just like Dana Gould said. I love it. Your yeah. move. And Marlene is a little taken aback at this. Yeah. Leslie goes, he seems pretty self-assured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so far you see Leslie's coaching here, right? No preamble. Yeah. Sit down, start yeah. talking, own the room. Yeah. So far, so good. It seems like the game plan is coming together. Yes. Yep. Well, Mark, it also seems that the juvenile parole portion of the fourth floor is just as beautiful as the rest of it. And and we see this as Tom encounters Chris uh, being Chris, helping a distraught and weeping citizen of Pawnee. Is that see, I I was pretty sure I was going to ask you, I was pretty sure they were on the fourth floor by how it looked. Yeah. Are they in a certain portion? Yeah, if you look up above them, there's a giant chunk of the concrete out with some sort of like maybe old blood stains from the forehead that made the divot. Yeah, 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 blood stains. And there's a poster above it that talks about juvenile parole. So, um, wow, yeah, this really is the winter section of the fourth floor. You really do pay attention to detail. I try to. I'm going to tell the brass not to. It doesn't matter. You're, you're you're safe. I'm sorry. What'd you say? Nothing. Okay. All right. So we see Chris sitting in the juvenile something or other place on the fourth floor uh, with a, a middle-aged woman who's crying and clearly in distress. And uh, so I, I think Chris probably came up here to talk to Tom at Tom's request. I think you're right. And, you know, the pictures are hung tilted and we got blood stain on the walls. It is nasty. But anyway, <laughs> Chris is talking with this woman and he makes her feel better and they hug and, and then she leaves. And Tom walks up and asks Chris, did you know her? And Chris, <laughs> this is so Chris. Chris says, I don't know. I just saw her crying. And so I helped. <laughs> oh my God. That makes me laugh. Uh-huh. And so. Tom tells Chris he appreciates the opportunity, but he doesn't think this job is in his wheelhouse. And I think his quote was, I tend to work best with young, attractive people. (laughs) And Chris listens, but tells him politely that being a project leader is a big deal and he should keep an open mind and he's uh, got a jam and he leaves. (laughs) And so Tom, at this point, man, he looks somewhat bewildered, like he's not sure what to do at this point. I love Chris's advice. He says, look, you, you should keep an open mind. Let your brain unlock the door of your heart's future. Oh, I made up that expression when I was 14 and it's still in use today. Oh, by me. Oh, <laughs> well, someone's I mean, getting use out of it. Yeah. 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 Well, it turns out that during the best plan operation, you can go from winning the battle to losing the war. And, and I'm going to suggest once again that we change the name here uh, of this precisely planned military campaign to Operation Lobotomy. <laughs> I like it. Well, the, the as you alluded to, the 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 Griggs Nope uh, Wyatt War yeah. is still waging in Marlene Griggs Nope's office is there, and uh, 
And, you know, Marlene and Leslie continue to sit on the couch while a very determined and self-assured Ben tells Marlene how it's going to be. And I, I think Ben's new confidence seems to be winning Marlene over. Mm -hmm. But his but his strategic use of a Calvin and Hobbes quote, I think, went even further in this direction. And and uh, she seems to respect him and, and and maybe and then we see that this is why i say that we then see a leslie talking head where she's very happy and she's well, and you should say too that yeah. that the talking head is one of these that we love we've talked about these before sometimes they happen in like restaurants and yeah stuff, you know where leslie's in the foreground but ben and marlene in the background not very far away right so we can really see what's going on in both right 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 exactly and and leslie is really happy and stuff and she's telling the camera how uh, proud she is of helping ben to win her mom then she put up a mission accomplished banner and she, everything basically yeah. how they're they're hitting it off uh, yeah uh, a crisis averted yes. and, <laughs> However, as you alluded to, uh, we as the audience see Ben and Marlene in the background. And as Leslie is happily chattering away to the camera, we see Marlene put her hand on Ben's knee, waggity, waggity do. <laughs> and she's clearly, you know, flirting yeah. or making a pass on him, whatever. Yeah, and, they're hitting and, it off. And at this point, oh, <laughs> and at this point, you know, Leslie's happily talking to the camera and Ben like shoots a panicked look towards Leslie. <laughs> Uh, I'm guessing he's hoping for help, but I'm thinking he's worried she's going to freak out if she sees it. Yeah. Well, and I think here in principle, they agree that they've got a deal. And Marlene kind of wants, you know, to, is saying something about, you know, well, let's connect again and we can hash things out. And she says, you know, it might get rough, but that can be fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Th <laughs> this this leg, let's call it like that. This uh -huh. leg, this knee of the discussion drawing is. is drawn to a close and they haven't really come to a concrete conclusion yet on the school buses but um that might be partially so marlene has an excuse to bring ben back to her office yeah. uh, so ben and marlene shake hands a little too intimately and then ben and leslie leave marlene's office and and again you know there we have a walk and talk where yeah. they're kind of walking down the hallway together and leslie is just happily chattering to ben about the, in the hallway about oh that went well and and just on and on Ben is saying nothing. He is clearly wigged out. And I think he also realizes that Leslie is completely unaware of what just happened here. Well, and especially because her last line, and again, like you said, Ben is a bit deer in the headlights during all of this. Uh -huh. But we end with her last line saying, now, what I'm thinking is that maybe we should go over to her house. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Well, back on the fourth floor, we get a sober reminder that bullies come in every size and shape and age group. Yes, indeed. There's no discrimination to the to, to the bully foundation. Um, it, it, so we're back in Tom and Andy's fourth floor office. This, this is called the fourth floor records room, by the way, Mark. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's what I call so, it. So they're in the fourth. I like it. They're, then that's what it is, doggone it. They're in the fourth floor record room. And Andy and April are kind of cuddling with each other a little bit and messing with each other's <laughs> hair, just being sweet. And and Ethel uh, uh, Beaver's there. And another older lady who I think her name is Muriel. Muriel, um, yeah. Look on, kind of like, oh, you guys Aww. are so cute. They're in, in admiration. And Grumpy Tom. Uh, asks Ethel, like, could you please just pass me the folder? And she drags the folder over and just throws it on the floor. <laughs> and this uh, this makes uh, Muriel laugh. And then Tom angrily says, you guys better stop it. And they all just start like bust up. So it's one of those classic cases where it's like everybody is laughing at somebody and they don't like it. Yeah. And they say, stop it. And that makes them laugh more. Tom is not having a good day. He really isn't. Why you got to be like that, Ethel? <laughs> 
<laughs> and then does she say, looks like someone got up on the wrong side of the, <laughs> the crib. crib. Uh, <laughs> so a small joke on top of everything else. I know. Well, back at Ben's desk, Leslie is still in the dark. And, you know, she has her own ideas about this final salvo of the campaign to win over Marlene. Um, you know, this one's apparently called Operation McSteamy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we see we see Ben in his office. Leslie enters a few moments later and she's still happily babbling to Ben about how they can keep her mom in a good mood via, you know, Operation Music Box McSteamy there. Yeah. And then uh, he, he finally can't take it anymore. And he, he just ends up flat out telling Leslie that her mom kind of um, made a pass at him. And you hear the music box. <laughs> Leslie is not happy. No, she's no. not. Well, we'll bounce away for a minute. And as things often do, Mark, they're going to get a little bit worse before they get any better. Um, Ron is no longer enjoying watching this train wreck. And I think he realizes that the signs are here and he's got to do something about, you know, saving these Eskimo. I mean, these employees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well said. So, yeah, we, we see Ron sitting again at his circular desk prison, which I love. And he's didn't April coin that. Yeah, the circular yeah, yeah, desk yeah, yeah. Prison I think she did. So good. And he's he's grumpy, as you might expect. But he is kind of keenly looking around and observing in his grumpy way. He's observing yeah. everything going on around him. So, for example, in one of the conference rooms, uh, he sees Jerry in his role as PR director leading one of the aforementioned daily briefing sessions poorly yeah by he's stumbling over words and nervous laughing is stammering is really really not doing a good job he also sees donna struggling to get anything done with her awkward weird bendy spaceship keyboard until she just finally goes blah and just flips it over in disgust and sits back frustrated and and as this is happening and jerry continues to fumble and bumble around and we see ron grimacing more and more during all this like he's coming to some painful decision and we then see Ron walk into Chris's office to talk to him. And actually, what do you think? Should we have Constantine play this clip? Yeah, let's do. Yeah. Ron Swanson. Chris, you have come up with a plan so spectacularly horrible that it might ruin the entire <laughs> department. No, wait a minute. No, I mean that as a compliment. So it pains me to say this. My department has to go back to the way it was. Give them time. They'll adjust. No, they won't. They're miserable. Tom only performs when there's someone to impress, so marooning him on Freak Island isn't helping anyone. <laughs> and you made April assistant to everyone? You know who April hates? <laughs> everyone. <laughs> and Jerry can only function if no one's looking. You shine a light on him and he shrinks up faster than an Eskimo scrotum. Well, that's very perceptive, Ron. <laughs> and? Very graphic. <laughs> I understand your point, but there's no way that I could just roll over on this. Oh, okay. <laughs> you won't ever hear me say this again, so savor this moment. I may have a compromise. He almost threw up in his mouth on yeah. the word compromise. Yeah, he sure did. So just a couple of observations about yeah. this. First of all, I think Ron's observations are pretty good. They're really good. They're pretty fact. good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he, I, he nailed it. I mean, like, yeah, those are great. Great observations about these people he knows really well. And and I know that Leslie, we've said several times, right? Yep. Leslie is the queen of the parks department. Yeah. She is their real leader. I think they would all pretty much admit that. 
And yet, yep. I think this kind of suggests he's probably much more in tune with and, and a much better manager to his employees than he maybe than he lets on. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And, you know, so the, another thought was, you know, what would have really impressed me is if Ron suggested get on the fourth floor, giving Tom's weird, boring, fourth floor, boring job to Jerry. I know. I actually had this in my goofs. Yeah. Not as a goof, but like. The PR job is Tom. The filing yeah. job is Jerry. Just trade them. Brilliant. But I, well, that would that's fit their personality funny, so much better. That's not as funny, though. Yeah. So now I, I, I know guess. how to write comedy. Take things that should be, switch them. Comedy written. Easy. That's what they do with Three's Company. <laughs> and Two and a Half Men. Throwing a misunderstanding. And then you got it. Yeah. And Mr. Furley. Nailed it. Yeah. Yep. Well, with the realization that their plan has completely gone off the rails, Leslie now once again suggests getting out of Dodge. And, you know, but I think Ben has some different ideas and he's ready to tackle this head on. Yeah, Leslie is just despairing because like the bubble is burst big and bad at this point. And 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 I think Ben is trying to just calm her down and say, look, let's make some sense out of this. Like it, she, he's trying to downplay it a little bit. Cause yeah. I, and I think he's right. I don't think that she meant anything serious by it, but Leslie's horrified and, and, and well, she, it's her mom and, and it, it, it's her mom. And she even asked Ben, like, were, were you asking for it? <laughs> like, no, you know, Amy had to really love delivering that line. Oh yeah. 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 Because yeah. it's been so unfairly asked against women for oh, so I know, long. I know. Turn the tables. And it's so, hysterical. So finally a fed up Ben who was not asking for it. No. Marches out of Leslie's office. Like he is on a mission. The next thing we know, Ben is marching right into Marlene's office with Leslie hot on his heels mm. where Ben proceeds to tell Marlene that a, he and Leslie are dating. B, they haven't told anyone because there's a rule against office relationships. Mm. C, he trusts Marlene won't say anything since it could get Leslie fired. And Marlene kind of looks at him for a few seconds before she just bursts oh, out laughing gosh. and thinks that's hilarious. So I, I don't think she's too worried by that per se. So then she calms down, looks at Ben, says, Four buses. He says two. She says deal. deal. And and at that point, that matter is settled. Yep. Ben kind of smiles and he walks out of Marlene's office with both Leslie and his mom watching him go. And the scene ends with Marlene indicating to Leslie that she approves, yeah. say, saying very simply, I like this one. <laughs> Leslie says, me too. You keep your hands off of him. <laughs> That's right. Got a, got a warner. <laughs> it was good to see Ben take charge and, you know, clear this up without leaving the country. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that I think that Leslie and Ben are showing some real. It sounds so stupid to say, but I think they're showing some real maturity with the first few, you know, stumbling blocks that they're having in their relationship, yeah. and they're like handling it pretty calmly. Well, Mark, I know you've heard me say this before, uh, but you don't always get to choose what life hands you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you do get to choose the way you react to it. And apparently, all of the advice or you know lemonade in the world uh, will won't let you think that way if you're not open to hearing it. That's exactly right. And Tom is scanning documents and, and Andy is not in there at first, but Andy then comes in and <laughs> in just typically Andy fashion, he's just happy as a clam. And he tells Tom, I got Margaret's pecan squares are like crack and stuff. Yeah, I brought you one. <laughs> and I, I think at this point, Tom looks at him. And he's perplexed. He, he, he can't quite grasp Andy's positivity. And so he just point blank asks, how are you so happy working here? 
And Andy reminds him a year ago, he lived in a freaking pit and now he has a job, a kick-ass wife. He has an awesome band. So, eh, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Are you going to eat that pecan square? (laughs) No, you can have it. But so Tom, however, despite Andy's optimism, he is not swayed by this. And during a talking head of his, we not only get the impression that he has his sights set on, you know, bigger and better things. We actually see him take action by updating his resume on HoosierCareers.com. I know. I've been there. Have you? Yeah. They hiring? No. 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 (laughs) (laughs) No one's looking for a podcast producer? I'm just saying. No. Okay. No, not yet. Well, yeah. And I think he comes to the conclusion, you know, that, you know, one, he doesn't like lemonade because it's too sweet and it makes his tongue feel gritty. (laughs) But it, it is time for a change. Yeah. I mean, at least that's where his head is based on this experience. Agreed. And I just have to say here, I know that this scene was meant as a vehicle for Tom to let everyone know kind of where his head was. So I get that. Like Tom was yeah. the main focus on the scene. I want to give props to Andy here for a second. I I, I like yeah. and appreciate how positive Andy usually is. We've seen him be yeah. very upbeat and positive before, like when he was paired with Chris. I like that he can just like because it's it's a it's priorities, right? I mean, he's just like, look, my life used to be crap, and now it's 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 actually I'm grateful for what I got. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he's got a semi simplistic view of things, and yet he's exactly right. Yes, and, you know, his head's in the right place. Tom's is in a bad place, and hopefully, we'll see if Tom can you know get it straight. Now, to be fair, Andy was living in a pit. <laughs> Well, okay. A year ago, so they may be coming from fair. different ways. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. But he appreciates what he's got because of that. Yeah, you know. Well, Chris seems to have heard Ron's message because back in the bullpen, uh, life has returned to normal for almost everyone. It certainly seems like that. Yeah, we we see uh, we see Donna signing something at first, and there's no sign of the spaceship keyboard that I see. And, and she brings it over to Jerry, and Jerry signs it and brings it over to April, who is at her desk reading a magazine. So and ignoring everyone, and else. ignoring everyone. Yeah. So ah, uh, <laughs> back yeah, back to normal like we're used to, and. A few seconds later, Leslie walks into the bullpen and walks up to Ron, who we now see is still in his circular desk prison. And when Leslie asks why he isn't why he isn't back to normal as well, Ron just kind of stares at her with this pained look on his face. And then Leslie seems to get it and understands what's happening. And she says, you know, how 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 long you got to do this? (laughs) And he answers a week. So, you know, it's it seems like a. Ron, the grumpy director, kind of took one for the team. He did. Yeah. Well, and the other part about this scene I love so much is that right after that, you know, Leslie sees a citizen coming in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Citizen requests, swivel, swivel, swivel. (laughs) You know, and then she takes the citizen for Ron. Like, it's the two of them together and the way they, you know, care for these employees and and protect them and the way they run the department. And each other. And each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like that. Yeah, I, I do, too. I, I think that she I think she feels for Ron, not because he's just like shirking responsibility, but he he abhors that particularly. And if she can kind of shield yep. him from it a little bit. Yep. Yeah, I think she's going to do it. Well, and he just took one for the team and she knows it. Yeah. So she really respects that's that, a I great think. point. Yeah. Well, Mark, at this point, all that's left is the kicker. Uh, you know, maybe remember that time that, you know, when we worked together on that project, I bet you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, where that guy went away for two weeks. Oh, yeah. And I was just going to fill in for a little bit. <laughs> I'm still waiting for him to come back. <laughs> oh. You know what? That's funny because it's true. It's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah. So, yeah. At, at this point, 
Andy is at his shoe shine stand with um, uh, another uh, young gentleman who uh, I, I think I think Andy's worried about this uh, shoe shine empire that he's built mm. uh, collapsing into ruin while he's gone for these three weeks. <laughs> so it. so it looks like he's giving his, uh, I think, replacement a test run. Yeah. Um, hey, Alan, uh, uh, what's this replacement's name? I figure even if you don't have it in your you know notes there, you just make up a name on the fly. So what you got? What what's this replacement's name? Uh, Jeff. I can't contest that. All right, Jeff. <laughs> so Jeff, the replacement, is trying to shine Andy's shoes, and you know what? This is this is really cute. Let's let's have Constantine play this one last clip. All right, Constantine, buddy, let's play us out. Oh man, you're really screwing this up. I'm gone for one day. This entire shoe shine stand falls apart. Everything I built. Jump up here, I'll show you how it's done. See, your problem is you're thinking too much. Wow, you're really good at this. Yes, I am. When I come back here in a few weeks, I don't want all my regular customers to not be here waiting for me because somebody screwed it up. Huh? Thanks. No problem. <laughs> See you later, kid. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what a moron so a, a, a few things that i realize that's very cute but there are a few things that don't that are visual and don't really come across in yeah, the audio yeah, that's true so first this guy jeff jeff sure. J- jeff their shoeshine replacement yeah. he is clearly in awe of andy oh yeah i mean i don't know if he he's went, got mad skills yeah i mean he didn't go to shoeshine college for nothing and <laughs> and so second andy's when andy's demonstrating to him how to shine shoes you see Andy's <laughs> eyes kind of go brain dead. Like he's just like shut off his brain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's, I love it. it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then finally, at the very end, after Jeff thanks Andy for showing him, you know, because so, 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 he shined his shoes. Yeah. Andy pulls out money, gives it to the guy all cool, like saying no problem, you know, which is especially funny since then he calls Jeff a moron. Yeah. He, he just, just gave Jeff his customer. Yeah. Yeah. Fade to black. Fade to black. All right. Well, nice job on the breakdown as always, Mark. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll uh, we'll chat a few things up when we get back and then we'll send everybody home. All right, let's do it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello, my name is Ron Swanson. Since my choices are to either do this or have my woodshop closed due to recently identified zoning infractions, Please allow me to be your tour guide and welcome you to the Pawnee City Hall's fourth floor. Our lovely staff, led by office manager and 12-time City Hall Strip Bingo Tournament champion, Ethel Beavers, is always willing to help you out. All visitors must sign the guest book slash waiver upon entering and leaving. Here are five tips to make your visit to the fourth floor as enjoyable as possible. Tip number one. The fourth floor may be accessed via elevator only, as Stairwell 1 is flooded and Stairwell 4 has been donated to Pawnee Community College's Paranormal Studies Department. Tip number two. When you reach the fourth floor, it may look as if the lights are off. They are merely on at a low level to inhibit growth of a rare mold. Stay within the elevator compartment until your eyes adjust. Tip number three. Proceed to the security desk nearby, taking care to remove any metal and loose change from your pockets. Walk through the metal detector, then the electromagnetic field detector, then retrieve your belongings from the guard. Tip 4. Proceed to your intended department. 
Do not make eye contact with anyone. Do not speak to anyone. Do not accept suspicious packages from anyone. Do not answer any ringing payphones. Do not eat anything you find, even if it is in its original sealed packaging. And if a man named Gary introduces himself, find the nearest blue phone and alert security immediately. And finally, and most importantly, tip five, have fun. To help make the most of your planned trip, the City Hall 4th Floor Directory of Offices currently includes the following. Parking Enforcement, Tax Enforcement, and Road Hazards. Hmm. Department of Probation, Disease Control and Insect Abatement, Death Records, and, conveniently, the City Morgue. Department of Magical Beasts. Damn it, Leslie, I knew I saw you with this script. <clears throat> and finally, the Department of Solid Waste Removal and Water Recycling. Ugh. Please note, the following items are prohibited on the fourth floor. Crossbows, bolo ties, fountain pens, baseball cleats, ninja throwing stars, blowgun and blow darts, tekokaji or hand claws, and, for some reason, friendship bracelets. Please note that pepper spray and nunchucks are allowed for personal defense should your appointment be scheduled after 11 a.m. When visiting the fourth floor, I would take it as a personal favor if you do not tell them Ron sent you. I have enough issues with the fourth floor as it is. Thus ends the public service announcement. My community service is complete. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, as we usually do, we'll talk real briefly about deleted scenes. I feel like they're trying to wean us off deleted scenes. Yeah. Th this week's only like 59 seconds. And uh, I already know that next week's episode has none. Wow. Because it's a producer's cut next week. So well, it's that's probably why. It, it, when there's producer's cuts, I understand it more. When yeah. there's not, that's a little bit more surprising. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, and, and the two scenes that are here in these uh, specific, uh, you know, clips of deleted scenes, we had kind of a, a another montage, if you will, of bizarrity, as I call it, on the fourth floor. Mm. Like Tom's trying to like, he wants to find a private place, I think is the the, the He's looking for it. a better office. A better office. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was. Uh, that's what I said. And uh, as he's looking around, he eventually goes in all these places and there's people taking off weird wigs. And then he goes into this room. It's like full of spooky mannequins oh, and geez. a bad fluorescent light. And he's like, OK, this Yikes. place is haunted. I'm yeah, yeah. Moving. That's not good. No. Uh, and then there's a scene that was kind of cute. It's Leslie. And I think Ben has left her a card on her desk. And it's got some bubbles and a bubble wand. Oh, yeah. Because of obviously the, the bubble, uh, the, the episode title, the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, just a couple short deleted scenes. Not there. bad. Yeah. On Trope's first fun facts and goofs, Mark, um, I had a little bit of everything today, but not a lot of anything. I, I think I am completely with you. As a matter of fact, I don't think I had any goofs and I, I had like two fun facts. OK, what you got? All right. Well, so we start with first. Let's go with first. All right. So first. I, I, I had <laughs> I had two probably gimmies for the first one is that, um, uh, you know, this is the first appearance, I believe, of our favorite court stenographer, Ethel Beavers. Yep. Me too. And I think this is the first time that we learn Anne's full name. I had the same too. Is is Anne Meredith Perkins. Yeah. yeah. So not only are you right, but you're correct. Good oh, that's job. even better. Yeah. Oh, that's fraternal. I love it when you're both. All right. Yeah. Um, how about them, their tropes? How about them, their tropes? I didn't have a ton. I had three. I had I had Tom the Mogul 
only because it seems as though he's considering leaving maybe to pursue his own entrepreneurial mm. interest. That's a bit of a stretch, but yeah. I, I, may we count it. Um, I had punching bag Jerry. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's a bunch of those. Well, and particularly there's a self-inflicted one this week. There is. Yeah. Was that where he's given the, 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 yes. uh, the meeting and he's and, screwing yes. it up. Yes. So he deserves that one. Well, actually the one I noted was when Chris tells him, you know, Oh. Jerry, you're 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 very capable. And he goes, no, no I'm, I'm not. not. <laughs> That's true. Although we still did have some that he didn't arguably didn't deserve, like April, April giving him the memo. Uh, you will fail. You will fail. Why? <laughs> the the third one I had was I don't know if this is right, but I said it anyway. I said punching bag Ben because. Marlene kind of punked on him a little bit when he was really off. As a matter of fact, I was on the lookout because it used to be that we had like five or six like yeah, ben, ben ben, ben, Benisms, yeah. like, you know, yeah. that we would use as tropes. And I was trying to remember if any of the other Ben related ones were here. I mean, he was kind of awkward, but that didn't really stand out to me. I don't feel like he mugged to the camera, but punching bag Ben, I would count that. I, I think the awkward leads to the punching bag. So I think those are both here. Oh, that, that may be true. Like she, they're always in response to him just, you know, stepping on his own tie. You know mm. what I mean? It's like, or something else. But yeah. So anyway, that's all I had. How about you? Uh, th- those are the ones I had as well. I just realized I had another first, um, you know, so I guess I have a goof now and it's mine. Was the first that you made a goof? Yeah, no, I wish. <laughs> Trust me, I wish. What was your other first? Uh, th- this is Ian's office in City Hall. This is a first. Obviously that starts and that happens. Oh, yeah. In a, Right. Yeah. yeah. How, how do we miss open. that? Yeah. How yeah, do yeah. I miss it? Yeah. So so that's a first there as well. Good job. Um, on the goof side, non Allen goofs anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned this as we during the breakdown, obviously. Why didn't Chris swap Tom and Jerry's tasks? Chris a, a, should have known a better. questionable plot point. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and very good. And a good segue to my next one, which is mm. how the heck does Ben not know about Marlene? How are we supposed to believe that? I mean, first of all, he knows Leslie very well by this point. You walk in her office. There is a picture of her mother on her on her desk. He, he's never said, oh, who's that nice lady? Oh, that's a good point. I forgot that she had a picture of her on her desk. So yeah. like, it's not like her mother is not a prominent figure in her life. Right. I, I know that it's based on the willingness to suspend disbelief. Like that's a that's a cornerstone of most storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially in comedies like this. So I always hate the guys like, well, that wouldn't really work because, you know, that didn't happen. And into that I picture Star of her mother Trek. and I you can't Star really Trek. teleport. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that doesn't exist. And yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll give a tip of the hat to the writers. The writers are usually so freaking good and on it as far as not only humor, but continuity and, and, and depth of characters and buildings and stuff. Yeah. That I think when little things like this do happen, they stand it, out. It, it stands out because they're usually so. Yeah. Well said. Specific. Not that it's a bad episode or a poorly written episode. That is a device that they don't often have to use. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Well said. Um, Mark, I did have a couple of fun facts I can attribute to the internet. Um, How about you? I had had a a two. Okay. What Um, you got? One is that um, when, when Andy is helping Tom uh, up on the fourth floor, you know, and Andy's being happy Andy. And so, you know, he's, I think he's maybe dressed up a little uh, nicer because he's maybe not. But it seemed like maybe he's like he's got a tie on and he's so. dressed like Dwight. He's dressed like Dwight. Yes, that's right. 
Yeah. That's unbelievable. I And then I rewatched it. I'm like, he, oh, my God, he, he is. He really is. That's fantastic. Uh, I, and I didn't write exactly that one like down. Dwight. But as you're describing it, I'm like seeing it in my head. Yeah. He's, he looks like Dwight. Yeah, yeah. He sure does. He sure does. I wonder if he buys his shirts by the by the pound, too. <laughs> Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. And so the, the second fun fact is the bizarre, wacky, angled mm. spaceship, uh, goofy, uh, ergonomic uh, keyboard that Donna had is, in fact, uh, ladies and gentlemen, not a custom prop. It's actually an ergonomic keyboard manufactured by the company SafeType. I got to hope that that is the most extreme form it can take, but not the form you typically use it in. It's like the shape of a U. Yeah. Like the, the one I'm dealing with since yesterday is, you know, a little more curvy and stuff. And it makes sense. I, I don't even know how you do a U-shaped keyboard. It's weird. I assume it's because you could put your hands on Just it to the side and so it yeah. wouldn't cause the kind same of typing sideways like this. When you got some carpal tunnel going yeah. there, maybe it alleviates that. But still, holy cow, I don't know if I could relearn that. I have about an hour into my new keyboard, which is not that extreme. Mm -hmm. And I have overcome a few things, but it is. It's like any new keyboard, you know, I lose proficiency really quick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I, I had two other ones, Mark. Oh, good. Um, yeah. And the scene where Ben stands up to Leslie's mom, um, for, for whatever reason, apparently Amy Poehler could not keep a straight face during this scene. This was in the, 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 the blooper it's reel. It's in the season three blooper reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, it took 23 minutes to get that one <laughs> scene right because of Amy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it is in the blooper reel. And if you've got access to the DVDs, check that out. That's funny. Uh, and then the last one, apropos of nothing, you know, Leslie tells Ben that her mother loves McSteamy from the TV show Grey's Anatomy. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Marlene Griggs, no, played by the great Pamela, Pamela Reed. Reed, once played a patient in an episode of Grey's Anatomy, which apparently was season six, episode 14, if you want to go check that out. Wow. For those of you in Shondaland. So, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Nice. So, fun stuff there. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, should we get into our scoring? I think we should get into the scoring. So, Alan, before I start, uh, I usually go first. Uh, before I start yeah. my my shtick here, um, I, I talked with the brass and I told them that I have an idea and I think that they're uh -huh. on board. You're not so, going to make me go first because remember the one time I went first, it did not turn out well. They suggested vehemently that you not go yeah. first. But, but we all know it's because I just copy you. <laughs> but the thing that they are on board with is this. They said and then they said I could tell you and so you could be surprised by this. Oh, they said um, so you, you and I are agreed, I, I think, that we've talked about how we like the whole uh, episode MVP angle yeah. right and, it's a, and it's i even a appreciate when you sometimes give co-mvps right right you do that and last week some whippersnapper had the audacity <laughs> to suggest a different clearly you know a wrong mvp but no i'm kidding but it, it, it did get me thinking what if we both like that as a mechanic yeah what if we both made it a regular thing so that we both submit our own personal choices for mvp because I, like I, I think that you and i kind of have Similar, but sometimes different different viewpoints. That's fair. On things, it's a big so. enough cast. I could see that we won't always necessarily land on the same one. Look, the, the our, our our loyal uh, podcast viewers out there, they're going to know which one of us is correct. Well, sure, and and which one is in love with Ron Swanson, and you know all of the other things that influence this. No, I don't see it like that. So anyway, having said that, my MVP is Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, th now that just ruined it. it I'm actually, so sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> so here, here's the thing. This episode, I know it seems like cliche to say this. This episode really had a lot of pretty darn strong performances. Yeah. It actually was a pretty good use of the comedic bench. Yeah, to, yeah, I so think it was. It was hard for me to look at any one person and say, like, they outshone, uh, you know, uh, everybody else by like miles and miles. I considered giving it to Ben. I considered giving it to Leslie. Uh, Andy had a few good scenes, uh, but I, I ended up giving it to Ron. Uh, Nick Offerman is Ron Swanson. So first of all, <laughs> first of all, freaking hats off to such a marvelous minimalist running gag as Ron swiveling away <laughs> from people. That's it. And, and making it so freaking funny. I'm telling you, when Nick Offerman is on his game, there's nobody better. Yeah, you I know? agree. And it's, and also, I mean, I have such respect when the same character, in this case, Ron, can be used for an incredibly funny gag like Swivel Chair, but then have a scene showing arguably some of the stuff that has the most depth of the entire show. Like when he talks to Chris about changing things back. Mm. I, I really like that for all his talk, Ron clearly knows his employees mm -hmm. pretty well and is willing to put it himself out. To benefit them, yeah. so you he know, maximizes well, his screen time. Screen time for sure. That's a that's a great way to put it. And and hats off to the writers as yeah, well, of absolutely. course. But the, but the character is very well done, and Nick Offerman does a great yeah. job. You know, yeah. In it. our season three wrap up, I'm going to actually mention something about screen time. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So a few additional notes. I I thought. I thought Leslie, you know how Leslie prepares Ben. She trains him for his meeting yep. with uh with the, the Marlene there. Yeah. Um, her, her mom. I felt like her prepping Ben for this meeting had some really odd yet satisfying symmetry to Anne prepping Leslie for her first date with with Officer Dave in season two. Oh, that's interesting because they're like both weird and ridiculous and yet kind of effective. They didn't not work. <laughs> they didn't not work. That's a great way to put it. So, so speaking of uh, Leslie prepping Ben and such. I really like the return of, of crazy edgy Ben here yeah. that we probably haven't seen. since so what I say media blitz. I yeah. mean, so like I like, I like Ben as a character. Yeah. I think Adam Scott usually does a great, great job. I really like who Ben is. Sometimes Ben can come across a little, a little dry, but just that's because that's the nature of his character. Yeah. So because of it, I like every now and again, when they enter Ben in this zone where he's just like, yes, <laughs> and he's kind of spazzed out, yeah. you know, that yeah. that's fun. That is fun. Um, I also adore that of, of, of all the people that have had the supposed misfortune to go to <clears throat> the fourth floor. <laughs> April is the only one person who embraced it and said, I want to I want to work there because of it. Like, I think Andy was happy, but in spite of it. Yeah. Not because of fair. it. You yeah. know what I mean? No, April is attracted to it. Yeah. yeah. I think she loves the yeah. chaos and stuff. I yeah. just thought that was funny. Um, I also, although it was a small scene, I know that you and I have talked about uh, Donna and Jerry and how, you know, Retta and Jim O'Hare are very yeah. talented and very funny. And sometimes, you know, if there's not enough screen time, sometimes they get the short end of the stick, blah, blah, blah. I love how they, they A, use Donna to get Ron's ass in gear to talk to Chris. And B, gave Donna an opportunity, give Retta yeah. an opportunity to show her chops. Yeah. Like, Especially typing, in this episode. Typing with the Space Age keyboard. She's down to one word per minute per flip a -slip, whatever it was. I laughed so hard at that. So I, I also thought it was really interesting that Chris was trying to make all these changes, right? 
Yeah. Despite the fact that I would I would imagine, I mean, if we go back to the beginning of season three, supposedly, even though the Harvest Festival was a success. So that's good in the sense that they didn't get disbanded. Right. But I got to think their budget still got to be kind of tight. And so that kind of surprised me that he would make these change again this is i'm i'm nerding out it's not a big deal it just that kind of occurred to me like cuz some of the stuff they had was a little cool and i was like this is that's probably not cheap yeah you know yeah it's a good point but, eh. all right so now to the crazy mark rubric i am going to give this a 4 base score i i, I thought that uh, last week i talked about how for me there there are four basic uh, general flavors for storylines like a incomprehensible and annoying b functional mm. but not particularly interesting c well written and interesting but not necessarily engaging and d i'm fully engaged and interested yeah i'm invested in seeing what happens next yeah. so i felt like both stories for me were flavor d but they didn't quite have the the depth of some that i would give maybe like a 4.5 or 5 for base score so i'm going to give it a four um However, I am going to give a bonus point, a full bonus point to a fantastic performance by MVP Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. I'm also going to give a whole point for all of the hilarious, awkward and sweet interactions between Leslie and Ben as they're starting to date, including what ends up happening with Leslie's mom. So a point there. I'm going to give half a point for we kind of cover this but for guest star appearances by the great Pamela Reed as Marlene Griggs. Nope. Uh, Helen Slayton Hughes as the wonderful and inimitable mm-hmm. uh, fourth floor worker Ethel Beavers. And uh, I think there are a couple of others, but I also remember it as in Dana Gould as coffee pot smashing guy. Oh my gosh. Love it. Love it. Yep. Love it. Um, I'm going to give half a point for, as I said, a decent use of the comedic bench. It seemed like it seemed like every single person had at least a couple of scenes yeah. which they were allowed yeah. to shine. So I like Jerry that. had more screen time than he had lines. Donna's lines and screen time kind of equaled each other, if you will. So yeah. um, I, I think they both were more present than normal, which was really good. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and, and, and we said this before, it's always impressive when they can do that. When you have a, a guest star of some substance, not mm-hmm. that Pamela Reed was in tons and tons and tons of scenes, but I mean, enough that I'm sure it cut into the overall time. It adds up. Yep. Yeah. Um, for, I'm going to give half a point for the Tom subplot. I think that's what I'll call it on the fourth floor for, for setting up an interesting story for him. Like he's just not satisfied with where things are right now. I really like that. And also for giving Andy a new and interesting platform to interact with Tom and the rest of them. Cause yeah, this is really I like, like a, kind of a promotion for Andy. So I like that. Um, I, I got to just give a half point flat out to <clears throat> the fourth floor. <laughs> I love everything about that. I love it. I love it. I love this place so much. I hope we keep returning here. Yep. Um, and it's just it's it's like we've said, it's expanding the universe of Pawnee, right? It's yeah. just it's interesting yeah. and it's funny. I'm going to give half a point for Andy's unwavering positivity on the fourth floor. I, I liked it. Not only was it charming, but I thought it provided a really good contrast to Tom's yeah. grumpy displeasure. We needed that contrast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And and God help me, I got to give a half point to the whole swivel chair gag. I, I don't I'm not going to say anything else about it. It just it deserves its own line in there. So half a point for that. <laughs> So you add up all my crazy stuff. Yeah. We're at we're at nine little Sebastians. And that that feels about right. This was a tremendously strong episode. I don't think it was at the very, 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 very peak of the mountain, but it was a really strong episode. I really enjoyed it. It had some classic meme worthy scenes. I, I really enjoyed it. So what you got? Here's where I landed. I, I, t- I also talked to the brass. 
Oh uh, dear. They told me about your co-MVP thing. Oh dear. Uh, that we both will be doing that, I guess. Uh-huh. So um, I'm not prepared for that, but I'm, I'm going to make it up here real quick. But, but the other thing that dawned on me was that I, I wanted to, even though this is not a producer's and standard cut, I bounce back and forth on the one and only score so often that I'm going to give two scores. What? Allow me to explain. What is the hell is happening here? I don't know, but I may be in auxiliary parking starting tomorrow. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> look. Well, look, if you are, I have some shortcuts if you don't mind hopping over some people's fences and cutting through the yeah, yards. I saw the brambles on your shorts and stuff over the look, summer. That, and stuff come, and, that comes yeah. out. Don't don't look right. into that. It's- so, so the reason I was of this mind this week was, you know, we've talked about watching this show through the critical lens, right? We've talked about yes. that quite a bit, actually. Um, so I'm going to do that for just a brief moment to set up why I'm of this mindset. Okay. I think I can watch a show both ways now. Critically and say technically and on certain criteria, this show deserves this score. Mm-hmm. I felt this way about this show and it feels like it deserves that score. Mm-hmm. So that may mean that while I can appreciate an episode for all of its merits, it doesn't mean I like it at the same scoring level. It's not a time component. It's not a component of time. Mm. I can have these two scores in mind at the same time. Oh, you're just like, weird. Well, let me explain. <laughs> On the technical merits and the execution of the show, and for many of the reasons you've mentioned and a couple, I'll just add a little bit too. um, I felt like this was a really, really good episode. Yeah. It's not one of my favorites though. Yeah. Is that a better way of saying it? Yeah. Like I was annoyed by Tom. Yeah. I was really annoyed. And yet it's a smart move to give him this storyline that's going to allow him to explore this entrepreneurial branch of his life. It's right? setting up a springboard, but the setting up of the springboard may not have an immediate payoff. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I I'll, felt I'll and, and I felt like they did fall back onto some tricks in their bag that are slightly more amateurish in terms of setting up some of these stories. You mm-hmm. know, those things that wouldn't actually happen in the real world, for example, Ben how the hell does he not know who Marlene is? I mean, all of those things. Right. Those things annoyed me. And so my my score without like allowing myself to talk about at all how I feel about the episode was a nine. Good, oh, good. good Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. <laughs> and then uh, more on then on the did I like it side. I feel like it's like more like an eight or an eight and a half. Like I just hmm. I know it's weird. And I, I, I this has only happened one or two other times. I usually feel about the show the way I review it technically. Harvest Festival, for example. I mean, it hit all of those marks. I really enjoyed the heck out of it. There have been one or two other episodes where I just like, yeah, you know what? It it technically was a really good episode. Flu season. Not one of my favorite. Yeah. Flu season was probably up there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair one. Yeah. No. And you know what? I'm giving you a hard time. That... I, I mean, I've done that before, too. You know, there have been times I mean, like Jerry's painting we had here recently yeah. it is it is a very technically good episode. But for some reason, for me personally, yeah, it, it's kind of meh. I like it didn't yeah. it didn't reach me in which I knew it sounds like you're you said it much better than that because that sounds corny. No, but, but I know exactly what you mean. That, that's the gist of it for sure. And I think I've actually now that I think about it and I think I've had the opposite happen with the camel like. I, while we both scored that really well and general audiences didn't score it nearly as well as we did, I thought it was a really good episode. 
I you enjoyed the, it. I really did. Yeah, and, yeah. and I don't think many people did as much as I did. Mm. So I, I guess I've seen it both ways. So, you know, if we had quarter points, Mark, we could just totally solve this by averaging the two scores. But Boy, that would, that would solve a lot. We yeah. Can't, we can't do that. Mm. Mm. We've gone down this path this far. Four seasons, Mark, almost we're starting about to start here. And we, we just can't we can't change the rules now. Well, yeah, what 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 those in charge of your of your bargaining spot are suggesting to me <laughs> is that what what you've said is is very intellectually stimulating and interesting. And yet, um, you know, do you have a, a single official score you'd like to submit? Maybe maybe with, I'm going to call it a nine, maybe with an asterisk. Yeah, it's a nine because that that's really what the way we typically review these shows is through that critical lens. So to be consistent with that, I'm just going to give it a nine. I will just say it won't go on my list of favorite shows. It's a week nine. Yeah. And if it ties for another nine, it will absolutely lose in that tie to a show I enjoyed more. That's all it's going to come down to. So when we do our top 10 retrospective at the end of all of this, maybe that will matter. Oh, that's interesting. Well, and I wanted to weigh in real quick on MVPs and then we can move on. So um, I I co-MVP'd this. All right. Yeah. So for me, it was a combination of. Ron Swanson for all the stupid reasons you've already said because he's awesome and, you know, Nick Offerman's great. Yeah. He can, you know, he doesn't need actual words to like make funny or express or make Mm. us feel. Um, He's particularly good at that. Yeah, he is. Uh, And then co-MVP'd with Ben because I feel like Ben's role in this. I guess that. We, in the way we needed Andy to balance and help us tolerate Tom, I needed Ben to help me tolerate Leslie here. I don't know what it is. I love Pamela Reed. Don't get me wrong. But when she is in and Leslie behaves the way she does around her mom, which is pretty funny if you think about it. It is, but she gets a little manic. She gets a little crazy for me. And Ben's more of a calming, just reasonable, down to earth. I think she overreacts like to to a a silly degree, if you will. Yeah. And and here we now know that Leslie is strong and capable and confident. So when we see her fall apart like this, it's funnier. Mm. Earlier on when they hadn't quite established Leslie that well yet, and she's falling apart and starting to blackmail people are like, what the heck? Right. You need to establish a baseline first before you can deviate from it and thus make it. So here seeing that extreme, I didn't, I wasn't bothered by it as much, but I think having been there for balance was super important. And just the way he basically, you know, the, the physical comedy, his reactions, uh, you know, falling apart under pressure, this extreme pressure, it just it was very good. So I co-MVP'd here. Wow. Yeah. Nice. With a nice. 9-0. So I feel like in lots of ways we were on the same page here uh, in the important ways that I was right, at least. I, I, I would agree. Well, Mark, I think that about does it for this episode. We will be back next week with the season three finale, Little Sebastian. Little Sebastian. Oh, yeah. Get your handkerchiefs ready. I know it. Yeah. Uh, what? No, nothing. Uh, okay. It's going to be fine. All right. I've been told it's going to be fine. I'm a little worried now. No. All right. Well, we really enjoyed doing this and uh, we'll be back next week, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you then. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.